Welcome to Single Mall Leaders Podcast, a show where I converse with interesting people with fascinating minds whose journey has been a source of inspiration. It takes a lot of courage for anyone to quit a secure job and move towards a totally less traveled path by pivoting completely through a different genre of work. They are fueled by their passion and love towards what they want to do. Having that clarity, courage and tenacity to move ahead with strong resolve makes them shine. And when you want to do something with your full might, it definitely manifests and we succeed. They challenge adversity and turn every challenge into an opportunity to create and prevail. As a student of adversity, I have been struck over the years by how some people draw strength. They fold the challenging events of their life into a narrative of triumph and wincing a better self. Today, my guest is Ms. Riri Trivedi, founder of Wellness Space. She's a therapist and trainer in clinical hypnotherapy, regression therapy, and life coaching. She's been a member of Spiritual Regression and Training Academy United Kingdom, and also a professional member of Earth, Earth Association of Regression Therapy. She's also co-authored a book on breast cancer, medical treatment, side effects, and complementary therapies. Wellness Space, the organization which helps with anxiety, depression, fear, phobia, stress, goal setting, identifying life's purpose, and any situation mainly driven by emotions and energy. Wellness Space has helped many individuals, top executives, and corporates in the area of mind-based therapies. In the last two years of the pandemic, which we have been through, we have heard about mental anxiety, depression, mental health. I'm sure these will continue to stay till one is not fully aware of them. Ms. Riri Trivedi, through her organization and her social media platforms, have been religiously creating awareness through the videos she posts. Today, we discuss the journey of Ms. Riri Trivedi and to get more insights into her passion for wellness, her learnings, and what made her quit PNG to start Wellness Space. I'm sure her journey is going to be of a great learning curve for us. So let's get started. Ms. Trivedi, welcome to Single Model Leaders Podcast. And thank you so much for having this conversation for me today. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited uh, to learn your journey, to know your journey, and definitely I'm going to learn something out of it. Thank you so much for this. Uh, I'm really uh, glad to be on this platform and I hope that whatever we share and discuss today will be useful to some people out there. Absolutely. Absolutely, ma'am. So ma'am, let's get started. The first question, ma'am, you know, I'm very intrigued by this transition that you had from Procter & Gamble in Japan to wellness space in Gujarat. How did this happen? <laughs> okay, so first of all, I'll clarify that I am basically from Gujarat, Ahmedabad. I left Ahmedabad at 21. When okay. I got married, okay. we moved to Mumbai, Japan, Singapore, all those places. So essentially, uh, Gujarat, Ahmedabad, uh, coming back here was always there in the plan because it is our hometown. Our parents are here. This is where we grew up. Um, about the transition. So yes, uh, my husband has been in PNG for 19 years and he was already, a, you know, in the corporate, I was a tailing spouse, you know, I was following him wherever his job would take him in the world. And then when I also worked in PNG in Japan, uh, we both had very hectic corporate lives, but in Japan, it was good because office, home, everything was on the same island. Kids were in the yeah. same, uh, you know, uh, 500 meters away in a school there. But when it had to come to moving from there uh, to Singapore is when uh, I took a call that both of us doing a corporate job, you know, while we, of course, make a lot of money, but it really didn't make sense from the point of view of bringing up children or managing our stress levels. And it is that transition from Japan when we moved to Singapore, uh, you know, is when I decided to give up the corporate job and then move into wellness. So actually, we both... Um, started our journey with yoga and yoga therapy and uh, in Singapore we both uh, you know Gunjan and I he was still in the full-time corporate job PNG supports such things so much so he got time off we both did our uh, yoga teachers training and then we both did our diploma in yoga therapy as well 
okay. uh, in Singapore. So that is what brought the transition where I decided I don't want to do a corporate job. I wanted to do yoga more for myself and my own spiritual uh, journey and well-being. But eventually, I decided I want to be a teacher. And uh, hence, I did the teacher's training. And then once I did the teacher's training and became a yoga teacher, I realized, oh, there's so much more to it. Like, you know, it can be used as a therapy as well. And that is when I also then decided to become a yoga therapist. So my wellness journey started that and that's when the kids were small they really needed to be around so for me i was doing part-time you know i was i was doing a few hours of yoga teaching yoga therapy and that that was how i wanted it to be because kids were small great so is this what that you always wanted to do i mean come up with a wellness thing no 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 or by uh, chance so i'm one of those people i don't know if this is inspiring or not inspiring to people but i'm not somebody who's always had this vision goal mission in life as a little kid funnily enough i wanted to be a the earliest memory of a dream i had was to become a bus conductor because of the money that would you know the coins that would jingle jangle in the bus conductors uh, leather bag. I don't know if you grew in that generation that I did where we actually had bus conductors. So that was the earliest memory of what I wanted to be. Then I wanted to be an air hostess. And so things changed. I mean, my life has been not going. It's not something that I was driven and I went and got it. You know, for me, it has always been whatever came my way. I did it. I gave it my best. And somehow I did well, you know. And then destiny took me somewhere else. I did that and I did that well. So while wellness was not something I always had in mind, uh, but being a teacher, you know, teaching is in my genes. My dad was a very well-known teacher in his times. And okay. uh, since I was a kid, I used to love teaching. So even okay. as a yoga teacher, remember like, even as a yoga trainer and a therapist, I was still teaching. So somewhere mm -hmm. after so many years, I realized that my core, my my dream, my authentic self is when I teach and when I train. And everybody tells me that I'm good at it. So I think that was the underlying theme. In PNG, I couldn't express uh, that part of me. Maybe that didn't come out that way. So ma'am, uh, did you, um, through the journey, after you got married, through the journey, did you uh, develop such a strong resolve or mind or is it you know your upbringing was like that uh no so i'll be very honest as a teenager as a youngster in our times we didn't have so much of exposure to things and also i was not a very strong-headed person i was definitely good at what i was doing so i was an above average student i was good in elocution so i in college i did you know i got the uh, gold medal in this Mahatma Gandhi trophy, Sardar Patel elocution trophies. So I was good at speaking, public speaking. I was doing a lot of extracurricular activities. I had joined a student's organization called ISEC. So I was doing a lot of stuff there. My parents were very supportive in the sense that they were very modern parents, meaning to say that they didn't have, they didn't give me any inhibitions like you can't go out at night, you can't go out with boys, you can't do this. So I remember in college, we had a, a meeting uh, in Madras. I was in Ahmedabad and there were like seven boys. I was the only girl and it was a two day train journey. And my mom and dad said, go. Well, everybody else were like, how can you send your daughter? This was 80s, 1980s. They said, oh my God, seven boys and only daughter. And my parents were like, a big deal. We trust our daughter. I mean, we don't, we don't think there's anything going to be wrong in that. So my parents have been very modern, very outgoing, very supportive. They've always encouraged me to do what I want. They always say, you know, uh, follow your heart. Don't worry about the world says. Dunya kya sochegi? Do not go by that. Do what you feel like. But inherently, I was not like that. Like, I wouldn't say that I was driven, strong, you know, I had times when I was full of self-doubt. Uh, but as I got more and more exposure, I got more and more, I guess, success, more and more validation from others. That is when my confidence grew. Mm -hmm. It should not be like that, but that's the reality. I mean, as a teenager, I was awkward. I was very tall, lanky. I had some body image issues. I wasn't like so full of confidence yes uh, in speaking teaching studies yes but otherwise no uh, but it it has been a journey <laughs> great so you started a wellness space uh, like 13 years back um, what was that period like uh, yeah so once i started this whole so as as i told you the whole first step was towards my own you know just taking care of myself and my family learning yoga getting curious about it, then becoming a teacher in yoga, then becoming a yoga therapist. 
and then that led me to more and more curiosity about understanding life understanding evolution so then i went into the whole i trained myself in past life regression therapy hypnotherapy so the wellness journey had already begun and that is when in singapore uh, i decided to have my own company called the wellness space and i decided to keep the name very neutral so it does not remain limited to just riri trivedi but it would be a more generic, generic you know yeah. company where we yes so you know when we were doing our logos and you know giving a name to the company a lot of people said why don't you you know keep it under your name like riri's world or some something like that and i was like no it has to be generic so wellness space as a name also came up to me i said i want this name it just resonates with me and the company was started in singapore and under the wellness space banner i was doing my teacher my training in yoga yoga therapy past life regression hypnotherapy all of that okay that's awesome so the whole purpose was of course to teach and to help so in singapore i was working a lot with kids because in my yoga training i got my specialization in kids and family yoga so i was doing a lot of work with school children you know using yoga pranayama meditation and then eventually when i learned about the mind i was using all those techniques to primarily work with kids and youngsters and then of course there were my clients with whom i worked yeah, yeah. exactly but i mean building awareness on subjects like mental health um, anxiety stress are still considered a very taboo subject in india you know yes. people are still not open to discussing that regression to you know it is a secondary i mean it's a it's a next level because when i was reading when i was knowing about you hypnotherapies and regression therapies i you know i knew but i i never knew that somebody practices that in you know in india so i started learning about it more but even now when we talk about depression anxiety people don't want to talk about it they just want to keep yes. it they don't even they they know about it they just don't want to discuss so in in this space how was your journey and learning been like in in india and i mean gujarat is another um, it's a fabulous state but again the taboo is a lot yes. there yes so i remember when we relocated from uh, singapore to ahmedabad when we were sharing with our friends that we plan to move back i remember so clearly like everybody saying in all good intention that really nobody is going to pay you for yoga there this was when we moved back to india about 8 9 years ago they were like india mein kon paisa dega you know yoga ke liye abhi and i'm telling you this 5 years now this awareness has grown when we moved back in 2013 really i had concerns like they were like past life regression who even knows about it like who's going to give you money how are you going to survive in india with something like that and uh, so yes when we moved back here it was a big question mark uh, awareness was not there people don't pay money for it they were like okay this is i mean what's a big deal yeah it's not this is not verified not proved not tested you know but let me tell you that this is where the approach the way you look at it matters like my husband and i both have very solid corporate backgrounds we are also very focused on the scientific logical research based approach to these modalities the yoga training we got was from dr nagendra dr nagratna of uh, swami vivekananda yoga university they both are doctors scientists researchers so even the yoga training that we got for years was based on published research because svyasa has more than 200 published research papers in yoga and yoga therapy so from there we had this approach that it has to be evidence based it has to be backed by data we will have to prove that this works we will have to make sure that our approach is not of the you know uh, the healers and those approaches nothing wrong with that but we had to make it more mainstream more logical in fact i remember even in singapore when we would have workshops where we would teach techniques like yoga nidra or hypnotherapy the approach that we would give we would have mostly corporates who would attend our uh, workshops you know from our png fraternity or our friends who are all you know in their corporate jobs and whatever we said the powerpoint presentations we made the research we shared really made sense to them and that is why it became much more palatable for all these group of people so even today when i say that we we use techniques from hypnotherapy inner child work regression therapy even we train uh, our therapists all of that is backed by solid research evidence um, we are gathering data at wellness space we have so much we are doing clinical trials uh, uh, you know and we are we are ourselves publishing papers in this area 
so that is what i think makes it more palatable yes there is a whole bunch of people with a spiritual inclination with a spiritual bend of mind who don't need all this they don't need the data they don't need the research they just have faith they believe in it but there is a whole whole lot of people out there who want to understand how can you prove this how does this work and it is for them that we put in this effort and we uh, give this that kind of an approach so that is how uh, in india the taboo uh, coming to the taboo part yes it has been a taboo people still don't talk of these issues people for a long time believed that we work with crazy mentally retarded people and we work with people who you know need to be admitted in mental hospitals it took me a long time to convince and you know to to tell people that we have very functional people coming to us like we have doctors lawyers we have manufacturers we have people running companies huge business houses who come to us and that mental health is not about you know going crazy and you know hallucinations and going out of control but mental health is so much about stress as much as it is about anxiety about panic about relationship issues about a lot of the unconscious behaviors that guide your decision making process that guide your relationships that guide your approaches to career work and money so uh, it is not in the spiritual domain it is very much in the in the domain of practical life right so slowly that taboo is coming off and i would also like to say that thanks to instagram thanks to facebook today we have a platform where we can make people aware in the right way with the right kind of resources with the right kind of uh, data and hence um, the the reach the awareness is just growing and multiplying it was not so 5 years ago absolutely and more importantly um, i think starting 2020 once the pandemic hit hit us yes, people yes. have been more even more vocal about you know anxiety depression mental health issues and the other ones i think that has actually edged about um, or people have become more vocal about and of course as you said that you know during because of the uh, social networking platforms we are able to spread that message yes so we've had businessmen who have come to us during the pandemic you know very who who are running businesses worth you know hundreds of crores and they have come to us and saying you know i don't know what has happened but with this covid i am getting panic attacks i am having anxiety you know i constantly think something will happen to my family you know i'm uh, or you know we we've also had people who have been you know very busy professionals who've always been out of the house traveling conferences and now because of pandemic they are stuck in their house with their wife and kids for two months three months and all the marital problems are coming to surface <laughs> because now they are having to yes. face uh things that they have run away from because they have a traveling job and because they are always attending conferences and never there on weekends but now so pandemic actually brought to surface a lot of unresolved issues that people had very very nicely you know buried under the coping structures of work and you know being busy and all of that true ma'am i mean i completely echo with that mm. um but ma'am tell me one thing you know when we talk about um mental health depression and the pandemic or pre pandemic or post pandemic um how do men and women who are from the working class how would they resonate with this or or you know how should they if you know analyze themselves that they require uh, these therapies uh so i will tell you something today the working men and women both need the same kind of support like earlier you know where women were homemakers and men were working uh the equation was different dynamics was different women were not financially independent so they had to take husband's permission and if husband agreed they could take help but today more and more uh you know women are becoming independent and uh most of my clients are actually working women professional women who who uh, you know who are reading who are uh, you know listening to podcasts reading books on self help checking out videos and they recognize that they need help and they are reaching out so i know so many women who say that i am paying for the therapies by myself or you know i am totally independent in this but earlier i would say that we you know even up until 7 8 years ago this was not the case where you know 
uh, first of all people were not okay to talk about it then they their family was not okay to send them for therapy the husband would be like what a waste of money i don't think you need this you just need to learn to be happy you have everything god has given you blah 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 but now i think uh, because of the social media because of the sheer exposure that we have uh, to the world uh, more and more people are becoming aware of their issues like words like anxiety depression ptsd are becoming much more commonly used even in movies in tv series i just recently saw a movie like kashmir files yeah and that guy the doctor in the camp was saying ptsd the other day i was watching a serial and there there was a mention of ptsd anxiety and trauma so these are becoming very common terms now for the young generation and for the millennials so ma'am um how does one analyze or, or a working class male or a female how do they uh, build awareness or how how can they self analyze analyze themselves that they need they need therapy okay so two things first of all do not self diagnose because it is a trap a lot of people they they go through certain symptoms then they google up now at any point of time if i am going through a crisis in my life and if i google up my symptoms also i will either be diagnosed on my google as having bipolar or personality disorder or schizophrenia or something because it's just like doctors telling you that do not medicate yourself by googling right so similarly as a therapist i would say do not give a label or a tag to yourself by an assessment that you do on google but there are certain signs by which you can recognize whether you need help or not the signs are there would be parts of your life that are dysfunctional so we divide it into two parts right the physical health and the mental health if you if you have a lot of chronic health issues you constantly have say migraine or at an early onset you've had diabetes blood pressure you've had thyroid or you have a lot of chronic health issues or back to back you are struggling with low immunity then you know that there is something there and your doctor says that this is because of stress or this has no physical definitely there is an element of physical and mental part to it then you know you need to work on it second is if you see dysfunctions dysfunctionalities in different aspects of your life so whether your relationships are not working you are having constant fight with your wife or your spouse or your husband or your children uh you are struggling with job or careers or you feel that you have a lot of blockages remember therapy is not just about clinical problems therapy is also about changing belief systems changing your way of looking at things changing the stories you tell yourself it is about healing your mind body and transforming certain blockages you have so if you feel that you are struggling with any of these issues whether it is a belief system that is stuck and is not letting you be free or whether it is a pattern that you have carried forward in your life like a pattern of always being betrayed or a pattern of always getting broke or a pattern of always leaving a job just when there is a time for a promotion or say a pattern of always having the bosses who exploit you these are all patterns so if any of these things in your life are not working or you identify patterns that are not functional then you must go and take professional help i would say do not self diagnose on the internet because that can be very misleading i know many people who have diagnosed themselves on google and then gone into a worse mental state because now they think oh my god i have bipolar oh my god i have depression oh my god i think i have this mental health condition and there are these weird names i have never even heard of you know so i would say do not <laughs> yeah. self diagnose yeah but there are clear red flags that you you will see uh, which will tell you that you need to work on these issues um uh, also um i have a few of my friends uh, lately in about a year back i i know that they were struggling through things in in their career and um you know so few people had gone to a psychiatrist few people have gone to psychologists um you know and and then we have you as therapists so what is the difference between three i mean do we have to go to any one or who who whom do we approach uh, you know in the right yeah, I mean, yeah. who's the right person to go to this is a very valid question in fact i have just posted a long video about it on my instagram on this sunday only so please we first we must understand that on in the mental health domain there are these different types of like in doctors you have different types of doctors gynex pediatricians endocrinologists so on and so forth in mental health we have this spectrum where on one end of the spectrum we have the psychiatrist who are medical doctors they have an 
they have a md psychiatry degree the, they are trained in uh, the chemistry of the body chemistry of the brain and the, uh, and hence when you go to a psychiatrist 99.9% they will give you medications for your problem so even if you have a fight with your wife you are having a fear of maths or fear of exam you are having issues with your boss they will medicate you because psychiatry the field of psychiatry is largely about understanding your body chemistry and adjusting the chemistry uh, so that it can either give you symptomatic relief or it can kind of suppress the symptoms so psychiatrists are those who are medical doctors and they can prescribe medications for your mental health conditions like anxiety depression bipolar schizophrenia neurosis psychosis etc on the other end is the psychologist who go through a BAMA psychology degree. So it is a it is not a medical degree, but it is a degree in psychology, which is studying human behavior. And they cannot give you medications, but they can do very good assessments about what could possibly be your problem based on your behavior and your case history. So, but the psychologists, most of them are either counseling psychologists or clinical psychologists. Clinical psychologists do clinical assessments and counseling psychologists are the ones who are trained to be counselors. Again, counselors can counsel you, which means they will work at your cognitive level. So there is CBT, REBT and all of that. But there is a whole domain in between, which is a psychotherapist. Psychotherapists are people like me who are neither psychiatrists nor psychologists, but we use mind body techniques to work with the holistic system of mind body emotions conscious subconscious mind so psychotherapists are the ones who work with trauma they use hypnotherapy regression therapy nlp um, even uh, other spiritual modalities like regression therapy uh, reiki pranic healing theta healing access consciousness all of that comes in that in between domain even i think yoga to some extent uh, comes there so except for psychiatrists nobody else is qualified to medicate however medication cannot always solve the problems because ultimately psychiatrists will give you medicines that will suppress your symptoms when we are looking at working at the root cause of the problem at behaviors traumas uh, then we have to go for psychotherapy counseling helps those people whose problems are not very deep rooted so they just need some behavioral guidance uh, some guidance about uh, you know how they should change their responses behaviors and understanding of situations yeah so that is the other end but the whole bunch in between is where we work unconscious uh, behavior so basically psychiatrist um gives you medicines to treat an issue yes, uh, yes. which need not necessarily address the core you know or the underlying issues that a person might have no but psychotherapists like you you will not medicate, but you would use mm -hmm. certain um, certain practices available to see yes. what are the underlying problems and to rectify that to ensure that the person leads a better life going forward. Yes. So am I right in on, my understanding? Yes. No. Absolutely. But so between psychotherapist and psychologist, also there's a difference. The psychologists are the one who mostly do counseling, so they work with your logical mind. Correct. But a lot of clients come to us are logically very strong because they've done inner engineering programs, they've gone to spiritual retreats, they've listened to Sister Shivani, Sadhguru Vasudev, Shishi Ravi Shankar. So spiritually they are very strong, but it still doesn't help them because of the unconscious behaviors. Now unconscious behaviors come from childhood traumas, from childhood conditioning, from your life experiences that are stored in your body, which is where the psychotherapy modalities help like hypnotherapy, regression therapy, transpersonal therapy, current life uh, regression, inner child work. So we work with the unconscious mind. Psychologists work only with the conscious mind mostly. And psychologists, there are psychologists who take extra training. So remember in a psychology college, till today, there is no psychology college that per se teaches any psychotherapy methods. They will only teach you assessments, diagnosis and basic uh, client history taking and counseling. counseling yeah. All the other psycho, all the psychologists who want to do further work have to learn psychotherapy techniques from others like us or other certified courses in CBT, REBT, DBT and the modalities I spoke about. So uh, for small kids, counseling works like when they are relatively small, you know, and they don't have many unconscious behavioral issues, just counseling can help just listening, you know, giving them a different perspective. But for deep rooted problems like say OCDs, fear phobias, panic attacks, anxieties, childhood trauma, addictions, 
relationship issues, sexual blockages. It is not coming. Logically, everybody knows what they should do. All the people who come to me with anger issues are very logical people. They know I should not be angry. But unconsciously, when they get triggered, they get angry. So counseling doesn't help them at all. They say we've right. taken years of counseling, nothing has changed. For them, psychotherapy helps because we work at the unconscious level. When we talk about children, um, toddlers, like say one and a half year, you know, small children or two years, small children, they start behaving huh. uh, um, very stubborn. Um, if something is not, if they want something and if it's not given to them, they lay down on the floor, they show their tantrums, they start hitting their head onto the wall, something yes. like that. I mean, is it, is it, I mean, is it normal or, you know, um, or something needs to be done there because I, I knew, I mean, my friend is a pediatrician and we, you know, he keeps telling me a few things. So since you have told me about children, it's, it's just a question that I'm asking you. Yeah. So, uh, there are two, three things. One is a lot of the ch childhood behaviors are picked up implicitly from the womb. This is again, backed by research. I'm not talking of any spiritual work here, but implicit memory. So sights, sounds, emotions of the mother, her feelings and sensations and the environment that she's in is all absorbed by the child in the womb itself. So some behaviors and some emotions like anger, anxiety, fear are picked up even before birth. And after the child is born, a lot of these behaviors are learned behaviors either from the immediate environment or from somebody who is most close to the child. So whenever we have parents who say that my child has a problem like this, I would first ask the parent that which one of you is angry, which one of you is showing this kind of behavior, because there can be only two sources for the child, either it is the womb or it is the environment. There can be no other source. Children are not born with these kind of behavior traits. We would like to believe that it is all DNA, but uh, but that's not true. It's not 100% true. Your genes also change depending on the environment, according to the study of epigenetics. So whenever children, parents come with me with behavioral problems of kids, uh, we usually try to find out what was a mother's mental health condition when she was carrying the child. And eventually after birth, what was going on around in the environment of the child. That would give a lot of answers. And is it treatable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With children less than 10 years, we work with the parents only most of the time. If parents are okay, balanced, happy, then the child usually has no problem. <laughs> Great. It is usually the mother who is hyper or the father who is a perfectionist or the grandmother who is very critical or, you know, one of them has anger issues Then the child picks up from there. When they become okay, the child also now starts learning the new behavior. So ma'am, the next is basically, um, you know, when they say that when nothing good goes in your life and you're not blessed with what you're praying for, what mm. should a person do? <laughs> this is what the question you asked to spiritual gurus. <laughs> not <laughs> like me. Um, well, uh, when nothing is going good in your life, uh, it is time to, I would say, sit and reflect upon uh, certain things like what are your lenses that are making you see that way can you change the lenses from which you're seeing your situation is that the story that you've created about your situation is that something that needs to change because remember that ultimately how we respond to any situation good bad challenging or easy depends upon the stories we have told ourselves depends upon the perceptions we have created about ourselves and these stories, these perceptions about ourselves, about the world, about our environment, about the people, our life, are all the lenses through which we see these situations. So when things don't go your way, it is time to sit back and find out, can you change the lens? Can you see it from a different lens, which is more empowering? Can you change the story to make it more meaningful or empowering? And if you cannot do any of this on your own, then please seek help go to somebody who is a professional who can coach you counsel you or work with you for this because the reason why i asked you this question ma'am is um during the pandemic people have lost their jobs okay yes. for a second more importantly um there's also another company better.com if i'm not right i mean they fired another 4000 employees of you know suddenly about a weeks back and all today when i open linkedin 
I see so many people just posting saying that I've just been fired. I, I would need a job. I know um, financially they're not stable and all that. So when you start seeing posts like that, first of all, you would like to help in whatever capacity you, you have. But how do a person actually transmigrate this particular situation mentally? Because it is going to take a big toll uh, mentally for that person. Yes. So ultimately, your coping structures have to kick in. And for such people, I would say that you will have to sit back and find out what can you do differently. Because I'll tell you, I'll give you a simple example. I'm not being insensitive out here, but I'm just saying that when the world changes, today the world is changing at such a dynamic speed that if you don't change with the world, then you are bound to be redundant. Okay, uh, which means, uh, for example, that earlier, you know, we used to have the hand saw to chop the trees and wood. Now, yes. if you are in the business of chopping wood with saw or manufacturing saw, then you are out of business because soon now we have machines replacing that. Right. In Correct. our work, I will tell you in the pandemic, like before the pandemic, I, I fundamentally believe that I cannot do hypnotherapy or regression work online. I cannot train online, I cannot do sessions online, it has to be offline at my center. And I used to have clients traveling to come to Ahmedabad from all over India to take therapies. When pandemic came, we had to move out of a comfort zone and challenge ourselves and say, okay, what is our bottleneck that we can't do this online? Can we think differently? Can we say it can be done online, but now how do I do it online? Then it opened up the whole doors for us and then technology came in and now all our work is online. I mean, I have trained hundreds of people online now. Some of our best therapists are doing the best therapies. We've published case studies on papers of work that has done online. And having said that, in my fraternity, there are still therapists who believe that we cannot do online. Mm -hmm. So what, what am I trying to say here? I'm trying to say that when times change, you have to change the way you look at world. You have to change the work you do. You have to change the way you work, what you work. Sometimes markets will completely just close for what you, what business you are in. And I think you will have to sit back and these people have to look. And you are telling me people don't have jobs. Ask somebody like me. I've been looking for people for the last one year, putting ads, knockery.com. I'm not getting competent people or good people for my organization. And here I'm hearing there is unemployment. People have been you know, um, asked to leave. Where are those people? I'm not. So there is a gap also there. You know, there are so many people who are losing jobs. There are, I've spoken to 10 pe employers, uh, people running own businesses, and all of them say that really, this is a perpetual problem. We don't get good people. Where do you look for people? So, you know, there is a practical, there is a gap. The need gap is there. There is a gap between the availability and demand. At the same time, to all those people out there, I would say that don't think that losing your job is the end of the world. It sounds cliched, but the reality is you will have to tell yourself, this is how the world has changed. What can I do differently? So many different careers have come up with technology. Yes, so many careers have become redundant. Right. Yeah. Right. So uh, look at Nika. Look at people who believe that makeup can never be bought online. I mean, come on. I would never dream of buying a lipstick online. I never dreamt that I would buy saris online. But two years, everything is online. And now look, look how the whole behavior of people has changed. Right. Who right. would have thought? My mother-in-law, my 85-year-old mother is buying kurtis online. So clearly the business of the guy selling the kurtis in a shop has gone down that much because of my mom buying it online. <laughs> mom, um, now when we talk about hypnotherapy, how does this work actually? And um, how can... And, and why do working class people might read, you know, hypnotherapy? See, first of all, we must understand that hypnotherapy is not what you see in TV shows where, you know, you, I make you jump like a frog and, you know, I make you croak like a, uh, like a murga. That's not hypnotherapy. Hypnotherapy is a therapy where we use the power of your subconscious or unconscious mind to bring about changes in your subconscious or unconscious behaviors. Working okay. people like any other people have challenges of, like I said, anger management. Some of them have challenges about not being able to concentrate and focus. Some of them have challenges like speaking out in public. I've worked with so many people, professionals who say that, ma'am, we have a fear of speaking out in public. So if I have to make a presentation, even if it is a group of 10 people who are junior to me, I've hired them, I've recruited them. 
but still if i have to talk and and in front of them and present my work i start stuttering stammering i cannot speak in public now these are genuine concerns counseling doesn't help them counseling will not help them overcome their fears but one or two or at the most three sessions of hypnotherapy where we just change the programming in their mind we change the subconscious fires where earlier the association of talking in public was associated with fear or humiliation or shame is now associated to being calm and peaceful and confident then then they go out and talk and they are like wow this worked so it is not magic it is understanding how your mind and body work and based on that understanding what in hypnotherapy we change those associations we change those programs so that it can help people change their behaviors in real life so we have people coming with fear of public speaking fear of heights close to we had one client he was in a global job he had to travel globally but he had a fear of flying and claustrophobia okay. both fear of turbulence and so he would not take flights now in a global role how much can you travel in trains so he could not accept certain assignments which were good for his career because he had an extreme phobia of flying he hmm. came to us and with a hypnotherapy sessions and uh, the techniques that we use for fear phobia his phobia of flying and turbulence went away he was able to work very very beautifully in his role so this so, is not about what we can do for working non working people this is what about what we can do to hum for human beings to break the shackles of their unconscious limitations that they have grown up with na people have fear of darkness i had one businessman who had a fear of darkness he could not be in a dark place ever alone he needed somebody and that became such a limiting factor for him but fear of darkness went away he is so happy he is so liberated he is so free because his decisions don't have to be based on that anymore right so ma'am let me give you a small case study here um, again rooting it back to a corporate life sorts you know a a, a mid level employee all right mm. um he was doing well he's taken an assignment mm. Mm. um here you know if somebody actually puts him into a tight spot or or they talk negatively on on his work or something he gets into a shell his performance mm. goes down he doesn't know what needs to be done because of this there's a certain type of perception that builds in the, you know about himself in the organization you know when when a situation like this is surrounding a person what would sh- what would he do and what should he do and would hypnotherapy work there yeah yeah so not just hypnotherapy many therapies work first first thing is we must understand that we cannot change the people around us because whoever has bullied him or made him feel bad if we go to them they would say that they were right the way they are nobody else believes that they need to change right that is a first premise you must understand correct which means that the person concerned has to work on himself so that he doesn't feel so disempowered with whatever has happened so that he can do what he sh- he needed to do from a space of courage or confidence or whatever so in therapy what we do is first of all we try to find out why this person uh feels this way or what is causing the person to be constantly say victimized or bullied or you know or sidetracked is it that is it and usually such such behaviors come from childhood so when we have such people we would go in depth into the history growing up years and we have seen that when there is a history of bullying in childhood or in chi- there are certain scenarios uh, which we which is based on science and all the research we have done which we have to check out once we have found out that this could be coming from these childhood programs or these belief systems in childhood or these experiences in childhood then using hypnotherapy we can actually overwrite those childhood files and once those files are overwritten and changed associations are changed now the person's behavior will also change so in the same organization with the same group of people now this person will go and react very differently and hence he or she is able to change the scene we've worked with countless people i can tell you one one doctor in australia same thing he said that uh, you know um, these you know i work here and these people are bullying and you know they uh, you know they're always threatening and i always feel that i will be kicked out from australia because if i say something to the locals i will be shouted at and i feel i cannot speak out like even if that other person is wrong just because he or she is uh, you know here and i am an immigrant if i speak out i will and then in therapy we 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 worked on his confidence we worked on all the childhood programs that were making him behave that way once we changed it he tells me the very next week he's saying wow you know after the therapy sessions now when the same person talks i'm able to reply very calmly very firmly without getting flustered 
and uh, and that person's behavior is also now changed towards me so mm. it's it's like you know you are constantly interacting with your environment if you are you have programs of helplessness hopelessness being victimized and bullied then environment is going to give that back to you but once you learn to stand up for yourself and be calm and yet be firm and confident then the others will also change their behavior around you right that is I'll how take, therapy helps yeah i'll take my own example ma'am you know certain times you know um suddenly i get into a self doubt why uh-huh. why 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 so, you know all of a sudden i don't know from where it comes you know certain times i get into that of course i come out of it pretty quickly i try and you know maintain that positivity in me but that keeps coming at times and though that particular time is really really um it's like claustrophobic for me and during that time if i have to take any decision it's i'm like pretty scared i don't know what what is going to be that time. time exactly so, so what you're saying is that unconscious behavior that self doubt is the part of you that you are hiding under a facade of again you know the coping structure of being confident and sure right lot mm. of us have that no we have to we don't have a choice so even when inside we are scared we will put up a front of okay i am in control i am fine because we don't have an option but that scared or that unsure or that self doubting part has to be resolved so that it doesn't keep popping up when you don't want it to because there's only up to a point you can push it down when okay. it comes up at full force then it will guide all your other decisions mm, i now this that. could most likely be coming from childhood which is why in a podcast like this i cannot do a diagnosis of your problem because to diagnose True. where it is coming from and why it is happening i would need a proper one hour or you know 75 minutes of a complete timeline your history your childhood and everything because you'll be surprised how much of i would say 90 to 95% of our behaviors our beliefs our automatic reactions all comes from childhood programming what you have gone through in 0 to 18 my god people don't believe okay. it people find it in- incredible unbelievable but that is what research says that is what i have seen in 10 years of my practice everything comes down from there you are either repeating it or you are fighting it or you are polarizing against it or you are reinforcing it that's how it works excellent now let's come to regression therapy what is regression therapy and you know and how does it work so regression therapy is where is the therapy uh, which, which takes you back in time to understand your present life issues because ultimately past is what past is a program that you are carrying right now in your present and it is affecting you like for example a simple thing like as a 10 year old you were bitten by a dog and since then you have a fear of dog so today even if you are a 35 year old and you see a dog what's happening that file of that 10 year olds you is opening up and you you'll say oh my god it's a dog i have to run away i can't be in the same room with a dog so hmm. what is happening that past experience is affecting your present also so in regression therapy we go back into these past experiences we don't really go back but we identify those past files that are still present in your present moment and not helping you to be functional or that are limiting your behavior and we change those associations so there's nothing so, to do with past life right what is past life past life is also a memory or an imagination or a story that you are holding in your present body currently what is going you don't go anywhere right it's no, like me asking this, this what like... did you have for breakfast today morning that is regression so you close your eyes and say okay i had poha they were yellow in color there were peanuts in it i had poha with chai the chai was in a blue mug that is a regression now we can regress to 5 years back 10 years back 20 years back 30 years back womb memories and we can even regress further back now this is getting really interesting it's intriguing actually i mean till yeah. till date i only knew that of course the soul never dies it's only the body that perishes and the soul gets transferred from one place to another so what are whatever we have left with you know in in the past life karma it gets carried forward here and then it is coming so regression therapy can actually address those as well i mean yes uh, yes in fact currently i'm doing my training of my module 5 batch of therapists who have done all the current life uh, they are tra- trained therapists to do current life clinical work and now they are getting trained to do past life regressions that's precisely what i'm teaching right now also to my group of therapists that training is going on so it is it is pretty much about recollecting the memories that your body is holding you call it soul some people call it consciousness some people call it energy 
ultimately energy cannot be created or destroyed it can only be transformed so you and energy carries memories energy has memories of everything it has come in contact with like water like air and hence we are also energetic beings and whatever we live and go through is all stored in our energy field and it is that energy that we call as body as a past life or a current life or whatever and that energy field needs to be corrected if it is causing a problem why do we go into current life regression or past life regression only and only if we believe that that is a root cause of a problem we are facing today we do not do it just for time pass right the only reason we go into childhood memories childhood traumas or past life traumas is is if we believe that our current life issues are coming from there like unexplainable aches pains phobias of fears you are born with certain body uh, memories or birthmarks or feelings of deja vu uh, so so there has to be a reason why you need to delve into the past just like that we don't need to know all those things wow this is really wow i mean so ma'am uh, i mean what why when would a person need regression therapy actually what how can one identify that he might need it so that is where uh, we do a detailed consultation first we do not do any sort of therapy at wellness space without doing the consultation and okay. in the consultation we get a complete details of the client's history growing up years what are the client's problems when did they start we get a complete understanding of what are the different events in the client's life that may have contributed to certain belief systems or certain behaviors we understand some ancestral history some family history and then based on that understanding we decide on <coughs> what needs to be done if uh we believe that the client's issues are linked to childhood traumas or you know dysfunctional families if if the clients have a history of growing up in a environment of domestic violence you know mother's mental health issues physical abuse sexual abuse emotional abuse then we have to do regression or inner child work to overwrite those files so that it doesn't bother them or doesn't uh, affect them in their present life as adults because it definitely has an impact so you mean to say that um once somebody approaches you you holistically actually get their complete data basis the data that you have collected then would you would you actually decide whether Absolutely. it should be a yes yes not everybody needs regression, regression work See, we have we have young kids we have 15 year olds ma'am i have a fear of maths when did it start 3 years ago when my maths teacher was very mean to me in such cases we can do regression therapy or we can simply use hypnotherapy do 3 4 sessions of hypnotherapy where we just give them a recording they keep listening to that recording and the files get overwritten easily but if we have much older people then the files are much deeper much going back much in time then we have to do regression work so again depending on how complicated it is and depending on if the origin of that problem could be in the past then only we do regression otherwise simple hypnosis gestalt work counseling coaching can also help now you also spoke a lot about functional relationships Yes. You know, what are the underlying unspoken factors causing all these issues? Unspoken I mean, I, I might I are causing unspoken factors for dysfunctional relationships or yes. for functional relationships. This, you know, for functional relationships, going dysfunctional because today and during the pandemic, as you rightly said, when you know when couples have started living together for a longer time, actually twenty four by seven, and the issues started coming out. Okay, people don't understand. You know, why is it coming out? it was all good why is it going bad right now so what you know there there might be certain common underlying factors which are causing these and how do how do these people identify them and get to know that they would need some help so some very very common reasons why relationships become dysfunctional is of course one is the biggest reason is each person's own past baggage so if the husband has come with his own set of beliefs on aisa hi hona chahiye aisa hi hona chahiye this has to be done this way this cannot be done that way and if the wife has come with her own past baggages and blockages then uh, there is and if there is lack of acceptance if there is acceptance that yes you have a point of view i have a point of view our points of view are different can we work around it can we find a mid ground then there is no problem but most of the time relationships issues happen because there is lack of acceptance of a differing point of view of a different point of view and couples can't understand that why can't she see the things the way i am seeing it and 
one needs to understand that the other person won't see that view that you are seeing because if you are standing on the top of a mountain or if you are standing on the valley and she's on the top of a mountain both both places how you see the world will be very different yeah so based on your own past experiences your upbringing your value system your family environment your schooling your everything uh, your subconscious behaviors baggages reactions will be very different from your spouses this has to be understood and accepted and worked around if it is not then it causes problems second reason for causing problem is this whole thing of space you know lack of space because in india the movies and our culture has uh, really go hammered it into our head that being together being a husband wife means you should enjoy doing everything together means if my husband likes movies then only i will watch movies if my husband likes to eat or if my wife only likes chinese i will eat chinese if she doesn't like chinese i will never eat chinese so these are uh, spaces where uh, you know it is good to give space okay fine you like chinese you order chinese i will order italian or you don't like movies no problem i will go watch movies with my friends let's find out what we can do together that we both enjoy so giving space respecting the other person's other person's need to be himself or herself is also very important lot of people marry each other to change each other like you know once i marry her i will fix her she'll be fine or once i marry him i will make him okay fundamental flaw <laughs> it will never work that way because it will only breed a lot of content and resentment sure. when you try to make make it your agenda to fix the other person you are setting yourself up for lifelong misery for yourself and for the other person so this is the second reason why there are differences in relationships third reason why relationships go dysfunctional is also too much of interference from family friends so with typically with couples you know your mother said this my mother said this so when you bring the extended family and those dynamics in the relationships it can get messy so you couples need to have the maturity to handle it fourth reason is also difference in parenting styles which again comes from your own past growing up experiences and baggages lot of couples i see today are fighting because of these issues you know that you are a very strict mother so i should be a very relaxed father or how can you you are spoiling the child and no so parenting styles is one big 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 area of you know difference that couples have and they fight over it endlessly another reason is also uh, where relationships go dysfunctional is uh, communication lack of communication couples don't communicate i have seen so many and like i said it's very typical the husband is working 7 days a week traveling busy wife is managing home and kids there is no communication but thanks to corona they are forced to be in the same house they are forced to be with each other now they realize that we have nothing to talk about yeah so communication sexual block or in in uh, incompatibility is also big reason for relationships going sour because now the new generation is at least trying out you know whether they are sexually compatible or not before getting married but the whole previous generations nobody did that right so you get married to somebody you are not attracted to that person has their own sexual blockages or the woman has her own sexual blockages and hence marriage doesn't work there are four pillars of relationships to work well communication emotional connect uh, the sexual uh, compatibility and the clarity on finances and parenting if these things don't work then there's a big mess so have you seen any major setback in your life how did you deal with it and what was the outcome i wouldn't say there was a major setback but there have been many setbacks in my life as a part of being a tailing spouse i have had to always wind up my work and go where my husband used to go so the worst one of the very very uh, uh, so there have i have changed 15 homes i have changed four countries so while people think it is glamorous it is very interesting it's not it can be a big setback because for example my my very tough time was when i moved to japan from india in india i had a, a a career i was a wedding planner i uh, and you know i had two kids my son was one month old when we moved to japan and there i had to give up my business give up my work become a housewife with two kids in a hostile country where i couldn't understand the language and i was i went through postpartum depression i was a housewife cooking cleaning changing diapers doing the dishes and practically doing everything that i hated to do in life while my husband was traveling 3 weeks in a month it was one of the toughest time of my life i would like to believe when i look back and i 
back then we didn't even know that there is something called postpartum depression there is something you know um, called depression i i suspect i went through all of that it was very very tough but then slowly i took help and i tell all the women you know please please don't hesitate to take help please do not think you have to do it all i came from a mindset i have to do everything i have to do everything and hence i went through that eventually i learned my lessons i started earning money so that only so that i can spend it on a babysitter and that's how i started working part time then full time and once i started working i got back my confidence my self esteem you know and life became better so there have been setbacks like these uh, where i've had to change even after we relocated to india from singapore it was tough because we were used to working with you know japanese mindset in a global company working here with the amdavad mindset was very difficult kids took time adjusting so but i don't think there was any major setback where i would say that uh, you know things were just swept off me or taken away nothing major but these were for me at that time these were big things like where i really struggled when i had to leave bombay i had to leave my work you know move into a new country it was such a challenge like i know my son you had to be hospitalized i couldn't understand the language the doctor wouldn't understand what i'm saying my husband was traveling so i had to put my one kid at a neighbor's place and then you know i would call up my friend who would translate what i had to say to the doctor in japanese and the doctor will talk in japanese and hand the phone and i will you know in an emergency situation so it is very very challenging when you are moving countries when you are going to countries where you don't know the language it's not very glamorous like people like to believe True. but we have learned a lot from those experiences i can survive anywhere now i know that <laughs> great great and wow, i remember man. i had got home i had got home um, so back then in 19 um, back then in 2003 everything in japan was in japanese like there was no english it was not so opened up and i still remember that bringing home this carton of milk making tea and then realizing that it was buttermilk it was not even milk because <laughs> because we couldn't recognize anything on the carton i remember washing machine the interpreter had to just teach me like i taught my my angutha chap sir uh, helper you know in india press this button then press that button then press that button and your clothes are done it was a most amazing technology wala complicated japanese washing machine but till i didn't learn the language i had to operate it like a illiterate angutha chap person you know press this button then this button and then stop button and you are done <laughs> so uh, daily challenges it's not easy it's not easy it was yeah. tough wow ma'am i think it was a awesome um, conversation that i had with you thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today you know i i thoroughly enjoyed speaking to you on these various topics which are new to me and i've gained a lot of perspective from them i once again thank you for giving me and my listeners your valuable time and i'm seriously um thinking of doing a series of episodes with you on some key <laughs> subjects that we can discuss and to be a catalyst actually i mean the this is like a new thing and and if and if working class can benefit out of it i think then you know and we are home then with whatever we wanted to do yeah yeah absolutely in fact most of the people we work with work with like i said are working people because they are all financially independent enough to be able to come and seek therapy and seek help so name it like we have people from all fields we have doctors engineers media people actors cricketers um sports players businessmen students educators all types of people have come to us to seek help i mean every industry i would practically say fantastic so it is not it is not that they are all uh, you know mentally <laughs> mentally unstable people they are very very good functional people but there are aspects in their life where they have had the courage to seek help and they have benefited from that great it was an awesome um, time speaking to you on the various topics that we have discussed today ma'am okay so that's it then thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to express myself few of us enjoy asking for help as research in neuroscience and psychology shows the social threats involved the uncertainty risk of rejection the potential for diminished status and inherent relinquishing of autonomy activate the same brain regions that physical pain does and in a workplace where we are typically keen to demonstrate as much expertise competence 
and confidence as possible, it can feel particularly uncomfortable if we are not in the right state of physical and emotional health. Today's organizations have a dynamic atmosphere pertaining to their employees and results is what truly matters and a defining measure of your capability that determines the growth he, she will have in an organization. Stress, anxiety, or situations very personal lead to poor productivity, communication in the workplace, which further causes fear of failure and one gets pulled into their own cocoon. And they become difficult for leaders to understand through which friction, frustration, confusion, and an extremely tense environment wherein people are not motivated to be productive and are not inspired to collaborate. The lack of motivation can then spill over to how staff members relate to clients and potential customers. But the good news is we can overcome all of this with help. Help given by trained coaches like Ms. Riri Trivedi and Wellness Pace, who can bring an unbelievable change in ourselves, which can propel us back into our, our game at workplace. Your performance, development, and career progression depend more than ever on you seeking out the advice, referrals, and sources you need. The key to a successful request for help is to shift the focus on benefits. You want people to feel that they would be helping because they want to, not because they must, and that they're in control of their decision. Being an avid learner and then applying what you learn is a key to success for any leader. Podcasts like Single Model Leaders help you build awareness. So here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to subscribe to this podcast. I don't want you to do this for me. I want to do this for you. Believe me, there is no monetization motive here. These episodes are absolutely free for you to listen to. There's a coaching and mentoring motive, however. I want you to be the best leader you can be. And my gift to you is the opportunity to learn from the very best. I want you to add a one-off block to your calendar every week. A week where you will commit to your own development and listen to these episodes. By applying the lessons from these conversations with amazing guests every fortnight, I know it will help you become an even better leader. Thank you for tuning in to another interesting episode on Single Mall Leaders where I bring to you every fortnight where I get to interview some of the best leaders in their field. I make it a point to give you folks simple lessons where you can apply at your piece of work, making a step change to being a better leader. See you in the next episode.